You can hang your suit off the nipples of a small teat, best kind. Usually there's a firm ass associated with a tight, tiny titty, too. Always pup's fave. I married a set of tight, tiny teeters. With those came the best ass on the planet. Big old punching bags always means a fat, sloppy-assed woman in her late thirties. Always big tits equals big ass. Stinky, dimply, saggy ass. I'm sure there's some suckers here who would agree, although too proud to admit it. Another one! Be the best. I'm out. I, you know, with Hitler, the more I learn about that guy, the more I don't care for him. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. <laughs> you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. The weather is perfect, the field is fast at the Rose Bowl for tonight's ball game. Well, three of us hanging out right now, but we're minus Joey Dangerously. He'll be showing up sometime later in the show. Uh, but, of course, we got myself, we got Wooly Duke, and we've got Hay. Um, and... Before we get started, I want to make sure that I do not forget, as I did last time the other day, uh, to just give quick shout-outs to the people that sent in holiday uh, donations to Hardcore Husky. We've got Jet Fuel Steel Beams, who sent in 50 bucks. We have an anonymous lurker who sent in 50 bucks and wanted to make sure that I did not mention his name, so that will not happen. We've got a new poster who's pretty decent so far named Nook Tunnel Syndrome. And he sent in a hundred bucks. And Duke Codpiece sent in fifty bucks. Toilet Bowl nineteen eighty three, who's actually a duck fan, sent in thirty dollars. And then uh NB Husky chipped in ten bucks. So that's uh appreciate everybody uh doing that, supporting the site. Now we're sitting here talking on a Tuesday night, December fifth, and we'll start with you, hey. We have the uh the uh, pack. 12 first and second teams and honorable mentions that were released today. Of course, Michael Penix being on the second team behind Bo Nix is kind of uh, interesting. Um, not that Bo Nix isn't deserving of accolades, but, uh, you know, Penix did beat him twice and is on an undefeated team. But in any event, uh, hey, you had some interesting thoughts, and so why don't you kick things off uh, uh, in regards to your reaction to that list being uh, released today? Well, I mean, the first thing is just the the fallout from Washington pretty much taking the eternal crown here. It's just all the butthurt uh, orange slices being handed out by the, the Pac-12 coaches and the Pac-12 media. And the thing that sticks out the most to me is I know we've made fun of Terrence Ferguson, Ferguson quite a bit. <clears throat> Um, and he actually did play very well in the, the championship game. You have to give that to him. But uh, second-team offense, Jack Belling from Oregon fucking State. Um, I don't know. That's the thing that stuck out to me that, like, it, 
If if Westover, uh, you know, if he had another year of eligibility and he put his name in the transfer portal and he he has to go somewhere in the Pac-12, how how many of these other teams would be in line to to blow him and get him on their team? I mean, that is this is just ridiculous. I've I've watched enough Oregon State this year. Jack Belling's not a terrible player, but he's a giant. He's just a giant fucking body safety valve tight end that, uh, you know, he, he, he's designed to just get a bunch of catches in Jonathan Smith's offense. I mean, this is bullshit. I watched the uh, – in, in preparation for this, I watched the four condensed games from that stretch of USC, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State. I mean, I can't even count on one hand how many just critical – godly catches Jack Westover had. He's way too talented to not even be on first or second team. I mean, I don't know. Duck fans can argue for why Ferguson needs to be first or second team. That's fine. I don't know. I didn't notice him enough to be able to argue against that. But, I mean, this guy's from Seattle. I don't know what his offer list was, but this is this is ridiculous. There That's was the first one of thing the, that sticks out to me. And I know Bully was uh, going to talk next, but I'll just say real quick that I don't remember which game off the top of my head it was, but there was one acrobatic twisting in the air catch that, that Westy made on fourth down that you can make an argument that we may not win that whatever game that was. We may not have even won if he didn't catch that ball. It was yeah. Utah. Was it Utah? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he so, had huge catches against Oregon. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't end up scoring on the drive, but if he didn't make the catch, Oregon was going to get the ball at like the uh, like thirty eight yard line or something. And then he had won the Apple Cup too. Uh, that was pretty huge. So I mean, yeah, I uh, if I was, I think one thing that is fun about seasons like this is when you just start to guys <laughs> guys can make huge contributions, but they just get kind of lost in the shuffle because there's so many stars and there's so many big big time plays but I mean like Westover and Culp in that championship game you watch a lot of those runs and those two guys are really really doing a great job of blocking especially on the goal line and a couple of the touchdown runs like those mm-hmm. that's a huge part and I think just with a lot of people you can get kind of lost in like just going down the stat line and being like oh this guy did this so that equals he's you know, the, the first-team guy. But it's like, if you really watch all the games, which I will defer and say, like, it was a busy year. I didn't watch as many, like, Oregon and Oregon State games as I probably usually would. But, like, I don't know, watching every Washington game as a non-biased person, those guys, Westover and Culp, who I don't think Culp had the receiving stats to really be considered, those guys popped on a lot of run plays. Uh just blocking, and that's a huge part of, you know, Washington's offense. So I I like calling those kind of guys out, and I think it's definitely deserved. I think going through that list, it's like with the Knicks thing, I'm like, I assume, did they, like, vote before the championship game or something? Because that just doesn't make any sense. Same with, like, the offensive lines. I think uh, Brailsford should have been over Oregon center uh, after that game. Um, uh if you if you watched you know if you watched that game that was pretty hilarious a contrast but then Rosengarden not being on first or second team is 
pretty crazy given he also protects Penix's blindside. And, and you probably have a lot of people that don't even think about that, but it's like Penix doesn't get sacked that often, and that's his blindside protection. And they don't get the ball off, like, in two seconds, like most of these oh. offenses now. It's like the fact that they protect him so well and he drops back and takes a lot of time and he's not super mobile and until, like, the last game, like, they didn't really let him run. Like, that's a big deal. So, for me, I, I don't know. It's just, like, with, with the conference thing, it's just, like, one more thing of you're, like, God, why, like, yeah, we're leaving. Like, this is always the kind of thing that just, like, is weird about this. There's always weird shit about this conference. Though I would say, like, I put it – Oh, oh no! I put it, I put it on the board that like you know, you know things have changed because um, it was Oregon who was you know uh, they were tipping at Washington fans the whole time about kind of being salty about the championship game format, and then it was really the championship game format really bit Oregon in the ass because otherwise they would be eleven and one and forever would be saying that they would beat Washington in a rematch that would never happen. But guess what? Yeah. It happened, and now they lost that. So congratulations, you got the thing that you claimed you wanted. So I, I I'm just happy about that because I hadn't thought about that until today, uh, about that situation. So it, it actually worked out in Washington's favor. Joey Dangerously, how's your roadkill brother doing? Hey, you ever see a dead guy? <laughs> with an antler in his ass. Uh, he's doing good. We had we had fresh Italian food for dinner, so oh. uh, we we spruced it up a little bit. Olive Garden, but yeah, right. <laughs> no, you get no, the garlic bread. Right? Uh, <laughs> no, I had to drive way out to Anacortes on a Tuesday night, so. Good spot, but he uh, he did make a uh, he did he did get a, a deer and a bobcat last week. So, <laughs> uh, well, we're here with uh, Wooly and Hay. Uh, I will just let you know, Joey. All of us have taken and passed breathalyzers, so we're good to go. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. Are Are you in a place where there's uh, some noise there? My kids are watching Home Alone in the back seat. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I haven't seen that movie in 20, 20, 25 years, I don't think now. Oh, God. I, it's, it's on, uh, it's, it's on uh, you know, repeat at our house. Well, I'll say I'll say this, Joey. Before you you, you got on board here, um, uh, the three of us were talking about the uh, the Pac-12 uh, honors that were you know the first, second team, and honorable mentions that were released. There's a lot uh, yeah, of back it's, now. It's, it's bogus. It's that's yeah, bogus stuff. They got the fat the fat snail from Oregon as the first team guy for center. That's weak. <laughs> Weak. Mullen pointed that out. He was a bit more diplomatic in his description, but yes. <laughs> yeah. That's weak. Uh, a little more diplomatic. Why? I'm not done gloating. That's why I wanted a podcast. I'm not done. I, I can't get enough gloating. We're, we're forever Pac-12 champs. 
forever. It's never going to stop. Well, well unless I'd they love bring that. The Mountain, Mountain West over and turn it into the Pac-12 again. Go ahead. Go ahead, yeah, Junk, junk. Uh, so, Salvation Army title is what that'll be. <laughs> I, I love that our uh, – I just – I love that our – social media um, has jumped all over that. Um, They've just completely rubbed salt in the wound. And uh, it's just, it's not something you ever would have seen under Peterson or Cohen or anything like that. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great to see. I mean, yeah, it's, there was so much pressure on this game. I mean, um, it's just funny. It, it's just funny to see how how much pressure there was on this game, and for some reason, people didn't think Washington could win this game, or was going to win this game. When you're a nine and a half point underdog, it people aren't really giving you a chance. So it's it's funny now that our our athletic department has just completely just completely are just rubbing salt in the wound and, uh, you know, fuck this conference. Fuck this. It, we're Pac-12 champs forever and fuck this conference forever. Um, here's Evan Williams from Oregon. He's second team defense. Uh, this guy's been a fucking, this guy's been a fucking liability like the entire season, like that's the excuse their fans are giving is that they have Evan Williams back there at safety. I mean, it's a joke. It's a fucking orange slices, stupid conference. Yeah, yeah it's the guy with the yeah. club. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he is like, he is like comically in the background of the two games of like so many plays. Just like he's like a Britain Covey, but defense of just getting like torched, which is funny because at least according to like uh, the at least according to my sources, Mike, his so his brother uh, was the safety last year who got burned by Polk, and I think got burned by somebody else on a big play. Oh, he got burned by uh, Todd Davis for, like, both those plays. And then the younger brother played for Fresno State, the the one this year. And I think clearly because of that new, like, DeBoer and staff and was, like, it looked like he was maybe going to transfer, that his fucking brother was like, no, you got to go to Oregon. Like, you can't do that. It's like, oh, congratulations, older brother. Yeah. I bet – like, I don't think he would have been good for the Huskies, but, like, he would have been good depth, especially with how – all the injuries and safety. So, like, congratulations, uh, older brother, who, you know, it's still chasing fucking Jalen Polk on that uh, touchdown five yards behind him. So, yeah, great. It's just shit like that that finally it's flipped in the uh, rivalry. And to me, uh, I, I love the branding that's, like, kind of taken over and changing, changing the mentality of the program and that rivalry and just overall. And it's... It's perfect, yeah, and the it, it played perfectly into the hands of everything, which I kind of, you know, I think my brain was so broken on Friday that I was, like, trying to communicate that, but I was just, like, I, it was just too much euphoria of the build-up to that game of the ridiculous spread, and, like, there's definitely been spreads that have been more wrong than that, literally, but, like, figuratively, could there have been a more wrong spread of, like, this team 
from the very first snap of the ball on both sides, you're like, oh, shit, like Oregon is fucking scared. Bo Nix is scared. Uh, Washington is like, we're going to do like a 12-minute drive down your throat on the first drive, not stressed at all, and just like be, basically get out by 17. Uh, that's I, – I don't know. And like I, I'll, I'll let other people jump in, but it's just also an illustration of just like – the way the media, the way the media has hyped up Oregon and just downgraded Washington undeservedly, and it fucking could not have paid off in much of a better way. Yeah. Other than them holding on for the ten point win, or if Dylan Johnson could have kept go, like not busted through a tackle and got a ten point win, like that would have been nice. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm gonna shut up now. Well, my favorite moment, or one of my favorite moments, was he had the uh, Bo Nix is, uh, you know, the Huskies are stealing the game, putting it away. The camera goes to Bo Nix for the 458th time in the game, and he's sitting there on the folding chair with the towel draped over his head so you can't see him, uh, his face. And then he's probably, you know, just trying to have a private moment because he's grieving. Yeah. And uh, but Kirk Herbstreit comes in with the uh, he's visualizing the winning drive. (laughs) (laughs) It was so ridiculous, and I said that against Bo Nix personally. It was just ridiculous. So as soon as as we won uh, the Apple Cup, I mean, I I felt. Granted, I'm I'm not even playing. I'm not playing a down, you know, (laughs) of, of football for that team. But I felt the pressure go away, you know, of a you know of an undefeated season. And then and then when they open up as a nine and a half point spread, I was like, oh, we're guaranteed to win this fucking game. That's why I was so confident last week. I was like, they, they have no pressure. They have no like they put all the pressure on Oregon to to try to beat a twelve and O team because all they did was poke a beehive and say, hey, uh, undef- hey, undefeated team. Uh, yeah, we think you're a bunch of losers and you don't deserve it. Like, give me a fucking break. I, I was going to say, uh, when we got up ahead, like, what, was it 20 to 3, 17 to 3, something like that? Um, I had a buddy text me a screenshot of a post on Reddit from a Michigan fan. And the, the Michigan fan was like, oh, hey, look at this, guys. Big surprise. The team with the better record who beat the other team earlier in the year is yeah. kicking their ass. Big yeah. surprise, guys. This might be one of the worst spreads in Vegas this year. And uh, Well, well it's, a, it's the whole thing. Going back to the first game at home, it was like, oh, Washington circled this game for months. It's like, no, we beat them at their place last year. They should have the game circled. And it, and it and they obviously did because they almost played a perfect game uh, in Seattle in October. <clears throat> yeah, I uh, I went back and I watched like highlights. I didn't watch the whole game of the first game. And yeah, like looking at it through now, you're also like, yeah, like Oregon was the one who had to take shit for like an entire year. And then, like, get all fire greased up, as we say, to win that game. And, yeah, they played fucking phenomenal. Because, like, now you can compare the two games. And you're like, 
Yeah, Washington like got healthy. Washington was like at their worst of not being healthy, you know, including the thing of like Ojunze with the broken ribs and stuff like that. Like Washington was unhealthy in that game. Like at the lowest point of the whole year, Oregon was like perfectly healthy, and they both teams that uh, both teams had saved up. I'm sure wrinkles and looks and stuff for that game, but like that Oregon saved up their best shit. Uh, they played really well. And guess what? This time they got those fourth down conversions, which were like the fucking excuse this time. And that was the only way they stayed in the game. Like Lanning had to go for it uh, in the third quarter at like fourth and six from like their own, like 39. Like that's how, how much, that's how much he knew. And they, it's crazy. They got the lead back, but it never felt like they did. Uh, But like, that's how close they were to like, Oh, we're going to get like, we're going to be down by 21 here in about three plays if we don't convert this now. And then they got it by, like, the skin of their teeth. Like, a guy, like, Thaddeus Dixon, like, had the ball on his hand, and the guy, like, went down, like, exactly, like, six to seven yards for the first down. Uh, So, yeah, it's just – all of that shit is just so ridiculous. And, like, I I like the lunatic friends dude from the board and who are on Twitter and stuff, like, not letting those media guys off the hook, not letting Duck fans off the hook – for like what what's been going on and what goes on every year, like the thing no, is never like never let them off, never let them off. Yeah, yeah. Like the thing is like they've been doing a lot of this shit for years too, but like I don't know, the Huskies have been so messed up or so like limp dick under Peterson that they couldn't like they couldn't like prove it wrong, other than like for a couple years when Oregon sucked. So it feels pretty fucking awesome for that to finally happen and for them to actually slink away and for the media guys to have to be like, fuck, we, yeah, uh, Washington is, Washington is uh, who they are and they're better than Oregon and they we, they won in convincing fashion and that's the second time this year and the third time in like 12 and a half months. They're going to have to shut the fuck up for a long time. Like, it's... <laughs> They're going to have to shut up for a long time, and it's just it feels good. feels really good. I'm, I'm happy for the, fan, or the players and the coaches, too, not even just the fans. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine being a coach who's working, like, 15 hours a day listening to that bullshit. Imagine being a player who's listening to that bullshit back in your apartment and in the U District. Like, it's to, to shut them up the way they did is just, you know, Obviously, it's a it's a better win than anything in the Peterson era. I don't. We don't need to get into like all time necessarily yet. Let the rest of the season play out. But um, you know, th- this whole season was just. I mean, I tended most of the games this year. This whole season was just incredible. Great way to kill this shit conference. That's for sure. Um, and, and and one thing I'll add is uh, I think it's it's simultaneously relevant and yet also kind of a moot point. But you think back to the 1993 sanctions that the Pac-10 leveled against Washington, and you could probably trace a line from that point up into uh, you know 2010, 2015, 2020 with the whole COVID bullshit. That whole that sanctioning Washington when they were the the top dog in all of college football uh, and really crippling their their main draw at that moment. 
and then USC being shit for a lot of that time, minus the uh, Pete Carroll era. Um, that it, there's an irony to that, and uh, specifically also because it wasn't just USC and the LA Times that were behind trying to bring down Washington, but it was also Stanford and Cal, and now they have to rot in the, in the ACC, which is just uh, and, and that's just an amazing irony. Well, the ACC might might completely crumble here. Uh, you know, Florida State is talking about suing the CFP, and they they want completely out of the conference. I mean, college football's a college football's a mess. The shit show. And I don't blame well, them. I think. So- I don't. I don't either. I. I think the ACC and the Big Twelve are graveyard conferences. Like you, you got to be in the SEC or you got to be in the Big Ten, or else you may as well just combine the Mountain West, the Big Twelve, and the ACC into just one giant like whatever whatever handout you can get from ESPN kind of thing. And and you know what? I don't know this to be true, but I I would bet good money that. You, you want to bet that either Greg Sankey from the SEC or somebody affiliated with Alabama was on that phone right after the SEC championship. So you oh, leave us out. We're going to give you so much hell. We're going to rain hellfire down on you. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It, it's a sad it, thing. Like, it, it's not good for college football that this happened. But at the same time, like, I feel like Alabama – is the favorite to win the CFP right now, and they do look like they deserve to be there. They just they don't deserve to be there because of records and everything. Obviously, like Florida State's getting fucked, but like they look like one of the four best teams. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of get they that. It's just it's yeah. I I just don't like the message we've always sent is hey. You know, we'll make a deal with you. If you're a Power 5 team and you go undefeated, you're automatically in the, you know, in the little Final Four tournament. And then we renege on that, you know, on that deal. But, and then I go back to, you know, Florida State screwed us over in 2000, basically. You know, they got in over Miami, and Miami was ranked over us. And Florida State has gotten the benefit of the doubt in every single AP top 25 poll in the preseason. Very true. Every year they're every year they're ranked in the top 10, and you know, half the time they're finishing seven and five, and and not even a, you know, not even a fart in the wind in the, you know, story of college football of the year. You know, somebody made a – I don't remember who it was, and I apologize for that, um, but somebody on the Hardcore Husky boards made a great post a couple of days ago, and they were talking and speculating about how if Washington had actually played Arizona in the championship, the conference championship and won, we might have ended up uh, being uh, pushed out of the playoffs. Uh, we would have been in the Florida State role. But beating Oregon gave us the street cred somehow. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's a good point, but it's also like 
why would Michigan be immune to that? I know that the Big Ten gets this, like, possibly undeserved, especially, like, this year prowess, but it's like, well, uh, Washington beat Oregon earlier in the year. I mean, we're talking we're, – we're complaining about hypothetical. Like, that's how big the tip on our shoulders has gotten. Uh, we're complaining about something that didn't even happen. Uh, but, no, I, I think that's the beauty of the season, too, to me, is, like, this isn't 2016 – in uh, a lot of years for a lot of teams, even teams this year like Texas and Alabama, where, like, you were at the mercy of this committee and, like, Washington 2016, we're like, oh, we snuck in. Uh, that's not – they're going and they're arguably have the best resume of anybody because Michigan played a fucking easy-ass schedule where they just had to beat Ohio State and Penn State and – that's it. Uh, you know, I, I, I at least the media at least. Yeah, and, wa- the and Washington beat yeah. the Washington beat the greatest team of all time twice. They beat they beat them twice. Yeah, no, I yeah, uh, I goats. I I can't wait till next year's NFL draft when like that whole Oregon team gets drafted in the first few rounds. Wait, only like one or two guys will, and like six or seven Huskies will. Oh, I I I'm glad. Does the media still acknowledge that? Like, I heard like a. Again, I don't want to bitch, but, like, I heard, like, a Colin Coward posting where he was like, I just don't think Washington's got the NFL guys on the defense, and Oregon does. Like, who? I, I don't know. I, I The Oregon uh, shit. Uh, yeah. I just want a megaphone to scream at these people. Who are you talking about? And, again, they, like, the thing of, They never like, name names. They never name No, they names. never do. And me and Joey, this is our follow-up question of, like, okay, when you say this shit – what NFL prospect are you talking about or what five-star prospect are you talking about? And it's never. They always have, like, one or two NFL guys, and then there's, like, one or two five-star guys who are super young who are playing, which is fair, but they act like their whole team is just, like, every year is, like, this, like, giant – it's like Alabama or Ohio State. It's like, no. They're, like, a pretty good Pac-12 school, and they recruit a lot of highly rated guys, and a couple of them pan out in every class. And that is it. It's not, and they got, they, they hit big with Bo Nix and their offensive system and the portal. Like, no one saw that coming. Uh, just like no one saw Marcus Mariota or Justin Herbert coming. But guess what? Washington finally got something where you didn't see it coming. Oregon fans can finally bitch and be like, God, they got this guy who was hurt for eight years and now he finally doesn't miss a game. Like, Washington finally has the positivity. <laughs> And he was he was on a program too that just it's impossible to win at Indiana. Like he yeah. just it's just yeah, he's just not gonna be successful there. It's just just too hard. He had Kalen DeBoer as his offensive coordinator and then DeBoer left and it's just you just can't win there. Well we're getting some bad feedback, but there's nothing I can do about it at the moment. Yeah, Joey, goddammit. Well I don't know, is that Joey? Uh, I don't- so I'm here. I, I'm, I'm, here. The, I'm on the freeway. I'm I'm muting it. Yeah, yeah I don't no, think I, it's Joey. No, it's. I think it's when Joey unmutes, you get the background. Okay. Well, I was like, while Hay was talking, I heard Hay's voice circling back and, and echoing, and so no. that would that wouldn't have been Joey. But anyways. But yeah, if we, I if, we, we make, uh, if we make the move to YouTube and Rumble, uh, that'll probably be uh, alleviated. But that will—that's in the future, but uh, possibly. But yeah, 
Were you going to say something? Oh, no, I was also going to say just like with the positivity and things like working out for Washington when it seems like for so long Washington would do stuff and it would just never work out. Like DeBoer yeah, was yeah. not like a – DeBoer was not like some revolutionary hire. He was like a good guy from the Mountain West who had a good offensive system. And after John Donovan and Lake, you not only needed to make a – you needed to hire a guy who was like offensive-minded and like – Turns out he's, like, the best college football coach in the fucking country. So, like, that's the kind of shit me and Joey would, like, bitch about Oregon, where it's, like, everyone just hires a good Mountain West coach. Turns out this one's, like, the best fucking coach in the country. Like, who would have thought? And that's, I think, the winning thing. And it's it's amazing to see that start to to move for Washington of, like, yeah, we hired the right coach. Uh, And he hasn't signed his extension or anything, which I'm not that enthused about. Uh, It's kind of the elephant in the room this week. But... I think he will, and even if, you know, I think there's still two games left on the table, so we got to focus on that. But it's just the stuff like that that just feels so good, uh, and it, it's finally going in our O-U-R way. Kalen DeBoer is the least likely coach in college football to ever sit down at a press conference and put on a hat that says, run the damn ball. <laughs> He's just not that guy. He's not that guy. Two years ago, that was our that was the Husky fans' reality. Two to three, two or three years ago was that. And he won't slam players to get the locker either. <laughs> yeah, that that nightmare. You know what's funny is in that 2021 Oregon game, it didn't look like the the defense was not like intimidated by Oregon that day. They no. just ran out of gas. Yeah, just we had we had an offense almost as bad as Iowa's offense this year, and <laughs> the defense the defense completely ran out of gas. Well, they just they just completely gave up on John Donovan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. But yeah, well, that, we got him back. So <laughs> I mean, that game I don't know. I mean, is the perfect. <laughs> Uh, the Mountain West hi- hiring a Mountain West coach, um, I, I think. I mean, because you got to look at Colorado. They they hired uh, I can't remember his name, but they hired him from San Jose State. Mike um, McIntyre. McIntyre, yeah. I mean, that was a chode. <laughs> it, it it doesn't always work out, but I think there's kind of an unfair stigma that when you go when you go promote people from the mountain West that they don't have the recruiting chops or they don't have, you know, the, the assistants or the coordinators who are ready for the big time. Like there's always some stigma behind it. And so I feel like that's why, you know, people kind of see it that way, which, I mean, even Husky fans saw that with DeBoer, right? Like they were, um, you know, DeBoer just went and promoted his coordinators and stuff from Fresno, and there was a lot of backlash from Husky fans on – do you remember when he was trying to get the D.C. from, like, the CFL, and we were pissed off when he couldn't do that, so then he had to get Inge and Morell and stuff, and, I mean – Yeah, or Orlando or Steinauer. Yeah, Orlando – yeah, exactly. I mean, they've been they've been inconsistent. They've been bad at times, but – you'll look back at the season, like, you'll look at the USC game. I mean, USC is, that's the elimination game for them, and they're playing out of their mind. They've got talent. Um, I kind of like, 
ends, dude. He he talks a lot of shit. Um, when I was at the Oregon State game during a TV timeout, he pulled UFO show over and just completely cussed him out. Um, DJU had had a run up the middle, like a critical run up the middle late in the game, and Inge, you know, pulled his like star player aside and just completely undressed him. Um, I don't know. They they've done pretty well. I mean, we 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 could use some we could use some better players in the secondary. Um, there, there is that stigma that if you go get guys from the Mountain West, then it's you could get some small timey guys who don't have the connections, you know, don't have the California connections, um, you know, and it, 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 it could be bad, but um, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it seems like you're getting you're getting player development more over than uh, recruiting chops, you know. From Which, a at, at this guy. point, at, at this point, like, I mean, we've seen it. We we've seen the Washington way of doing things versus the Oregon way of doing things versus the USC way of doing things. Like, we've seen that play out at this point over two seasons. I mean, it doesn't even need to be a talking shit against Oregon thing. Look at USC; they're fucking limp dick seven and five team this year. <laughs> Complete know. limp dick uh, team. I think they're. I think they're like. Uh, I know Caleb Williams is not playing in uh, the Holiday Bowl, and didn't they have a guy enter the portal? They're on like they're on like Miller Morris or Miller Moser or Moser Miller. I can't remember the guy's name who's going to start that game for USC. I mean, talk about a program crumbling. Man, if you're the AD of that program, you've got to be disappointed. We need to look up who that is. <laughs> yeah. Miller, I'm, sure they hired, I'm sure they hired somebody top of the line. I mean, it's a, it's a storied program with a lot of resources. They could go get the very best, Joey. Oh, my. Well, Just go hey, let those church school girls fucking knife each other to death. I mean, we'll go take the fucking crown. Like, you know, it's. I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's not even just Washington. It's, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the, the media, like the fake media narrative, won over all the loud uh, lunatic fringe voices, and we couldn't be more happy about it <laughs> for once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys talked about before. Go, go ahead. Oh, I mean, you have the the opposite direction of Washington starting in, like, November of last year where we went into that Oregon game last year and no one expected them to win. They had two losses, and then USC at the time, USC got to, yeah, USC got to where they were, you know, uh, a win over Utah away from playing for the playoff and a Heisman winner. And then since then, USC has completely taken a, an absolute nosedive. Uh, uh, in every way possible. So that's uh, good for them because, you know, I'm not, I, I like them a lot more than Oregon, but I don't have any well wishing for them as well. Uh, it's, I mean, if you want to talk about things like, yeah, coming from uh, the Mountain West, I mean, the recruiting thing of, we want to talk about like what sucks about college football now is like the fact that Washington is still going to have trouble recruiting at this point when you have DeBoer, 
there you have their offense. You have DeBoer showing what he's showing, like with moments like with DTF and just the, clearly the culture that's developed with this program. And then you still have, you know, recruits that are going to be like not even considering. And you're 13 and 0 and, you know, you're, you're the number two in CFP coming off a year where they did last year and it still seems like recruiting is like they can't get anyone to fucking want to sign because uh, they want fucking the $35,000 after taxes wherever the fuck they're going to get from Oregon to go there and fucking waste themselves uh, and wear gay jerseys. So uh, that's, that's great. Um, that's one of my only things where I'm a little bit like, why is the recruiting still terrible? But I, I just, I don't know what to even think about it at this point now. I don't think they want phony prima donna kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Why? Why? How's it going for, uh, who's that left tackle for Oregon? Oh, you hate. Yeah. A bag-taking loser. Bag-taking loser. Like the lowest-graded, uh, lowest-graded lineman of the whole game. <laughs> I, I think both games that, that happened, actually, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like last last Still year good. we got Dylan Johnson out of Mississippi State, and I I liked what I saw on on in the little bit of film that I watched after he was on board. But I also I think I even posted back then that you'd think we would be able, you know, with Telepapa leaving and there's a big gaping hole there, you you'd think we'd be able to get a higher caliber running back. And uh, so, you know, so I guess you could say there was a little bit of doubt in my mind there in terms of why can't we do better. And then, you know, now we've got a guy that's probably, as I said earlier this week, Dylan Johnson's now like in my top 10 of all time favorite Huskies. So um, you couldn't have asked for anything better. So, Well, I have to issue a correction. I said he wasn't at a thousand yards the other day on the podcast, but they had an updated stats and he's over. A thousand yards for the season. So well, they count everything out: post game, spring game. It's, they just lump it all in there. And, <laughs> I think he led the conference in rushing touchdowns. He did. I'm pretty sure he led the, led the conference in rushing touchdowns. Oh God, that's that, that's so that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That might have just oh, been man. a special circumstance. I mean, look at his head coach at Mississippi State. I mean, who knows? He like, got a lot le- of passes like two years ago for Mississippi State. Like, yeah, that's what we all thought we were getting is like a pass catching threat. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, that that was but we that got was crazy, we yeah. got Corey Dilling we got Corey Dillon Johnson's <laughs> guy. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to judge him, and I'm not going to judge Will Rogers, who's rumored, you know, to be portaling to us. I'm not going to judge them for what they did at fucking Mud Dog U. Um, <clears throat> that program has been a mess. Obviously, tragedy part of it, but that program's been a mess, and they're also just not equipped to win in that division. So it's really hard to judge how good or bad somebody might be who, you know, could actually have a lot of talent who's kind of stuck there. Um, there's a, there's a reason SEC dog is like switching over to Georgia, you know, every other, every other week. Well, he grew um, up, uh, he told me privately, he grew up a Georgia Bulldog fan, was a huge Herschel Walker guy. 
when he was a kid. All right. Well, that that makes more sense. But I mean, just Mississippi State, like, yeah, dude, that's that's rough, man. Like, that's like you know, WSU could have some some pretty good player that actually would be really good on Washington, but it, you wouldn't really know it. I don't know. It, he he's looked phenomenal most of the year. I mean, obviously he was hurt. Uh, first four or five games of the season, but um, he's the best best running back I've ever seen. Who he looks like he's stumbling the entire time. He looks like he's just stumbling forward the entire time, but he's just complete badass player. I mean, how many? T- I can't even count uh, on two two hands how many times him, Michael Penix, or somebody else just completely trucked an Oregon defender in that championship game. I mean that is, that is a real weapon. I don't I don't get the Texas stuff. They're they're already favored. Uh, Texas is already favored over them. The same soft ass Texas team that I watched play in person last year. We had Wayne Talapapa last year. Um, now we've got Dylan Johnson. Um, Kitkowski is going to come out with his same, you know. He's going to come out with his his same uh, defensive game plan. He he doesn't he doesn't really deviate much on his defensive game plans. Mm. He's going to come out with the same thing, and I don't see why we don't just run Dylan Johnson right up their fucking asses. But I don't know. Well, well I really like we're supposed how to late be. the season though they ended up throwing uh, underneath and uh, and out in the flat a lot more. And they were really smart how they played against Oregon offensively for the most part. So that we weren't doing that earlier. And if we'd had that game plan in place against Arizona State, we would have scored 30 points against Arizona State. But we didn't. It's like, oh, my God, they're pressuring up the middle. What do we do? You know? Arizona State was – yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, Arizona State was weird because – it, it was it wasn't raining as hard in Corvallis, but it was raining pretty hard, and we came out with this passing attack, and we we turned the ball over like what four or five times. Um, One and a half, right? That that actually feels like a really shit coaching job, at least by our offensive coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, I, I think the. You know, this whole thing with Washington, this whole thing with, well, well, winners win, winners win. I think it's more that, like, as the season progressed and we got people healthy, we got Dylan Johnson healthy, um, obviously you saw McMillan get healthy. I think the thing with Washington is that we are actually capable of playing different styles of offense and different mm. styles of defense. And we're playing against teams in the limp dick Pac-12 who can't do that. They can't deviate from how they are comfortable playing. And you see that with Oregon, too. Like, Oregon can't just, hey, Bo Nix, go fucking just, you know, go rip it, bro. Like, you can't – he can't do that. They can't switch to that. Um, and I think that's what separated Washington, and that's why Washington was the first undefeated team in, in the Pac-12 eras because we were the first team that could actually just change our style of play on both sides of the ball. And then you saw that play out during the season, especially the second half of the season, because we would all of a sudden look like shit on defense. And then the next series, we would just lock them down. 
and you would see that on offense too. Like we'd go three and out, and then the next series we would just chunk down the field or we'd hit some big play or whatever. So um, I don't expect Texas to, to be able to adapt either. I think they're going to come out the same game plan they did last year and uh you know, we'll 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 see, but I mean, yeah, I mean, if Washington wants to, they can just run downhill with uh with Dylan Johnson. And I kind of hope they do, just knowing Kitkowski. Um because that was my problem with the Alamo Bowl last year was we kind of gave in to him a little bit. Um we we kind of tried a little too hard to to push the ball down the field when we didn't need to, and we still won comfortably. But it's you're in the you're, this is the playoffs now. Like it it's time to just we need to do we need to do what's going to win us the game. So and I don't know how much of that is Penix like checking down to that or changing the play to that or whatever. I have no idea, but. It, it, it's time. I really want to see the same game plan we've done against Oregon and Arizona and some of these other teams. Just run Dylan Johnson and chunk down the field, take a good five minutes off the clock, come away with a touchdown. Sark's going to get, Sark's going to, he, he's going to fold under the pressure like he did last year and just do that. Well, it wouldn't surprise me to see Sark's offense go right down the field with their opening drive and score a touchdown. Uh, and then and then, uh, as the game progresses and we adjust, uh, then uh, there'll be a mistake or two. And then I don't know if the wheels will come off the wagon, but they're not going to, like, they're not going to put up 45 against us or anything like that. So, And that would have been my worry a month ago. But... Well, the the, only, the thing that I don't understand about it is that they lost their starting running back for the year, right? Um, that's a big Sark like cornerstone part of his offense, right? It's just oh, I've got my I got my bell cow running back. I'm just going to run the same. I'm just going to run this. I'm just going to lean on the same running play, right? So he doesn't even have his starting running back. So he's going to shit his pants pretty quick and turn to Ewers and make him have to save the day with Xavier Worthy, which is what they did last year. And, yes, Xavier Worthy did drop a bunch of open passes. Yes, we understand that. We we also had a, a worse uh, defense last year. So um, I don't want to get – I don't want to get too cocky about it but it just it just feels like everything is playing into Washington's hands with this game. Well, we open a four-point um, underdog. That line's probably going to grow to six by the time the kickoff arrives. So, I I don't dude, I was in San Antonio. They had like it was like ninety-five percent Texas Texas fans. Like I don't I don't know where that is. I I guess my point with Texas is I don't feel like Texas got considerably better this year. I feel like their conference got considerably worse this year. Like that is a TCU great point. Sucked. I Texas mean, TCU Tech, yeah. wasn't a, Yeah, I just... They, so they played an Washington State clearly team. improved. They played an Oklahoma State team that got, like, boat raced by, what was it, South Alabama at home? Somebody. Uh, 
Off the top of my head, I don't know. I can't remember who. It was like thirty-three to seven. They got they got completely buried by. God, I want to say it was South Alabama, but I'll have to. I'll I'll Google it really quick or whatever. Can I shift gears real quick, or am I interrupting anyone's flow? Nope. So here's my, uh, I won't call it a conspiracy to add to Willie Duke's list. Uh, that would be the wrong word. But here's the thought that just popped into my head. Because as we saw the other day on Hardcore Husky here, that uh, the Mississippi State quarterback, um, Will Rogers, entering the portal, what do you think that uh, Dylan Johnson's in his ear going, bro, you got to get up here? I think people have been posting about that intermittently. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I I trust DeBoer. I mean, you know, De, DeBoer knows what he needs for his offense. So, um, I mean, I I will say this. I I know that we're really dependent upon Penix making like NFL throws, but nobody ever brings up. Uh, and again, I know like you know, softy, blah blah blah, but. Before the 2022 season, uh, they had uh, Ryan Grubb on their show, and Ryan Grubb was talking about how, you know, DeBoer lets his coordinators, he gives them a lot of freedom to do what they want to do, right? But Grubb was saying how he wants to throw the ball a lot more than DeBoer does. DeBoer wants to run the ball a lot more. I I think that they have a they have a – you know, they've got an NFL cornerback in Penix right now. But I think there's a good chance that they're going to take a quarterback who um, maybe he's not as good of a thrower as Penix. But I think DeBoer, like, as, you know, for next year and beyond, I think DeBoer, I think we're going to try to be more balanced. I think that's what DeBoer wants to do. You know, I think you've got Ryan Grubb, who's like a head coaching candidate, who's like a $2 million-plus OC, and you're not going to tell him to, you know, you're not going to micromanage a guy like that. If him and Penix want to, if they want to go do the back shoulder throw to Rome on uh, third and three with the season on the line at Oregon State or whatever, like you're going to give him the freedom to do that. But... Now that you don't have Penix, I think maybe going forward, we're going to take a quarterback that maybe the fans are going to be like, well, that guy can't throw as good as Penix, which he can't. But I think the offense is going to be more more balanced, more of what mm-hmm. we've seen like the last couple of weeks, like in Tucson, et cetera, et cetera. I, that's just my guess. But and here is the post that. To your point, Nega please posted a crystal ball alert where it was they're quoting that Will Rogers is a heavy favorite to land at Washington. So, so much for my <laughs> my, my call out there. But anyways, you're correct, and I didn't see it until you started talking and I'm scrolling down in the thread. But well, I think with uh, uh, we've had a lot of complaining about grub and stuff like that, and. You know, college football fans are always mad at the offensive coordinator, and I've had my plenty of critiques against Grubb. But, I mean, I think the, the championship game was, like, the perfect – one of the most perfectly offensive coordinated called or play, games I think you'll ever see for a team. It's just, like, 
they ran when they should run and they passed when they should pass and they executed it well and they went deep. They went deep sometimes and going deep since like the Cal game had been like never working and it did. It was, and they were, they were completely balanced. So, I mean, I, I would give a shout out to Grub like, and Penix because I think there's a lot of audibles that take place, uh, uh, that you know they they all those things combined did a really really good job and at the at the perfect time and I think McMill, having McMillan it's going to be uh, one of those things where you look back and it's like the season's going to be damn near perfect but the whole man what if McMillan doesn't get hurt in game three is just I've mentioned this before where that's going to be a huge question in you know history. I look at it from the standpoint from like duck fans where it's like, well, McMillan killed us last year in 2022 and he's hurt this entire year. And uh, he just happens to get healthy right before we play them in the biggest game in Pac-12 history. And one of the biggest games in Washington, Oregon history, he, he just happens to get, like he looks pedestrian, like the previous three games or whatever he's hurt. He's pedestrian. He's playing like two, three plays. And then all of a sudden he's just magically a hundred percent and going off for like a hundred and thirty five plus yards on us. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing of like the the flipping of things too, and just like, I mean I think part yeah, of that, that would have happened for Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like, uh, I mean there's like the thing in 2015 where Oregon, what they like got blown out by, they lost like 68 to 14 to Utah, and they got like lost to the Coug and like Colorado or some shit. And then Vernon Adams gets like perfect for the Husky game and extends their, <laughs> their streak. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, yeah, I think, I mean, it's also like a testament to how this co- the team coaches, you know, uh, it was like funny. There was like the narrative that like, did Washington like wear themselves out try- trying to get to 12 and 0 and like Oregon just like, they did the right thing because they lost, and now they're, like, proving themselves where it's like, I don't know, Oregon might have worn themselves out trying to blow out the fucking Arizona State and the Beeve and shit like that, where Washington, I think, eased in Jalen McMillan knowing that, like, we can beat these teams without Jalen McMillan, so let's just, like, keep him somewhat, like, acclimated and then just unleash him when we actually need him. I mean, That's I don't know. To- I'm not sure. I, I I don't I don't think they were so blasé about it. I don't feel that I, way. I I don't know. I it, it's hard because just like he really in six days suddenly he just became that guy again. I it's just it's it's very weird. And on like the biggest stage against supposedly this really good defense, I I, I don't know. Or like I, Bucky I just, Irving or Bucky Irving yeah. too. Like he all of a sudden just gets like thirty yards on like ten carries. Amazing. I I think they were – the way he runs, which, I mean, watching him against Washington, I was like – and he had been doing that in recent games. I was like, his legs are really small. His, like, ankles are small. Like, you have guys who run like that, like Marshawn Lynch, but Marshawn Lynch's lower body is like a fucking freight train. Like, like there's no way this guy's going to make it through a season. And the same thing happened to him last season where he wore down because – He's just tiny dude who's like fucking hulking through all these tackles. So I think he wore down a bit, and I think they also game planned. I think the first time I don't know this is this is conjecture. Maybe they were like, 
let's just keep him in front of us and make sure we tackle him. And that game, they're like, blow up the fucking line and then just stop him before he even gets a chance, and they did. So I, I do think he might have been – I do think he might have been worn out uh, as well, but I just think they – and I think the defensive line was just pissed off and fucking owned the Oregon O-line as well. And, like, they didn't have – Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it was weird because I remember in Husky Stadium they had this really weird fucking thing where, like I, – I mentioned on the podcast where it was – I don't know if it was as noticeable on TV, but, like – they snapped the ball and their O line like moved at like all at different like like a really weird rhythm that I almost feel like I don't know if it was to fight the noise or if it was like accidentally really helped the way Bucky Irving runs because like everything was super choppy uh, and obviously they weren't doing that uh, in that game. Well, let's start heading down the stretch of the show here, and we'll wrap up in a, another fifteen minutes or so, but. Looking ahead to Texas, um, that would obviously put a major damper on the season to lose to Sark. Uh, but uh, I think all – I'm getting the sense that all four of us uh, do feel like Washington has a better chance than not of winning this game. But um, how much do you think the crowd's going to make an impact in the Sugar Bowl? Because obviously the intensity will be much higher than it would was for the uh, Alamo Bowl. Zero. The, the Alamo Bowl was 95% their fans. Like, that was a road game in a dome. It doesn't didn't phase Washington last year. I don't I don't see why the Sugar Bowl there, would right? be much different. Yeah, I was there. I was, like, 20 was rows from the field. Was it loud? I don't – it was super loud. Yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was a hmm. road game for them. Like, we had – we had a pretty small section – uh, like I said, 95% their fans, you know, 5% our fans. Like, it was a road game for us. We, we didn't give a shit. We kept their fans silent most of the game because we were having long, sustained drives. Even if we punted, even if we kicked a field goal, we still were burning a bunch of clock and had long, sustained drives. And then Ewers was just completely bothered by Trice and ZTF the entire time. They they also um, they also made that game hard to get to for uh, out of Seattle too, if I remember right. I I want to say there was like maybe one one flight like the day before, and then there was maybe a flight like two or three days earlier to San like straight to San. There's like no flights going straight from Seattle to San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, you you have to pretty much, yeah, either you should fly into Austin or you should just fly into maybe Dallas, I guess. I think most Husky fans were flying into just Austin and then driving the hour and staying staying either in, like, one of the towns outside of San Antonio or just staying in San Antonio proper. Um, But, yeah, no, it was – we were – I mean, the, I saw a bunch of former players, and they're all players who are living in Texas. Like the most of the Husky fans, you know, I think like Wil, Wilbur and some of the people on the board. It's all people who are living in Texas that were there. Mostly. Yeah, we got a bunch of them too. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, it was a true road game for Washington, and they kept their crowd quiet most of the game. Like, we controlled the game most of the time. I mean, that the Brooks guy, like, they, you know, because that's the whole thing last year, right? Like, oh, we didn't have Bajon Mustardson last year, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, so you had Brooks. Brooks is your star starting running back this year, right? Okay, so he, uh, he was out for the year. Uh, I don't remember which game he went out on, but – you lost him, so now you're on your backup. Then it's like, I I don't know. I just I don't see it. Like we should beat them pretty comfortably. Like this should almost be like a. It shouldn't be like a Notre Dame ass kicking, but it should be like a Cincinnati holding on against Alabama kind of ass kicking. Like i don't know i just i I don't see it like they have the same exact team. Quentin Ewers was so bothered by Braylon Trice, like he is just bothered by him i like i I've been reading on the boards like they have these two d tackles uh uh that are like super awesome or whatever that they're comparing him to Vita Vea or whatever i don't are are <laughs> these guys who were on the team last year i I don't know I just like, like, what has changed about their team that makes them so superior now? Like, their secondary's hurt. It feels like it's the same roster with a bunch of injuries, and they just, they're playing in a shitty conference this year. I, I just, I don't get it. Like, I don't want to be super cocky. It would obviously be devastating if we lost to them, yes. Uh, I wouldn't feel like it's losing to Sark, necessarily. Like, Sark has an amazing, like, staff around him. Like, they're a good coaching staff overall. They have a really good, you know, roster, really good team, like, overall. But it's just, it's, I just don't see it. Like, a shittier UW team beat the shit out of them last year. And now all of a sudden we're supposed to lose to them, even though we're a lot better. And they're pretty much the same without a bunch of starters. I just, Uh, I don't, it just doesn't balance out for me. I thought we were, we were clearly better and we won. But I wouldn't say we beat the shit out of them. I mean, it wasn't forty-nine to seven or something, you know. We we were up by seventeen points in the fourth quarter, and our and we just pretty much our game plan after that was to just shut it down and just have them waste the clock, and they did. Yeah, we didn't right. beat the shit out of them, but like we we were so far ahead of them in the fourth quarter that we pretty much was just we put a game plan in place to where they're just going to burn the rest of the game down, and they did. Correct. Which is like, I just, they had a 0% chance to, to even tie the game at that point. Like they were down by a touchdown at the end of the game, but they're throwing a Hail Mary from their like 10 yard line or something. And it's just, it's over. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm not saying we're going to completely blow them out, but I just, I don't see it. Like I just, I just don't. And unless like, like, what are they relying upon? Some kind of revenge factor? Like, you really think Sark is going to, like, motivate them on some revenge factor? Like, they already think they're better than Washington. Like, they already think they're better than these players. Like, what what is a revenge factor thing going to do? Um, Especially as that line goes up to six or seven as we get closer to kickoff. It, it, just, it just feels like, you know, Texas has, a, has this bad – they've got this bad culture where they just feel entitled to it all the time. And I mean, especially in the playoffs, like they're just going to feel entitled to like, oh, okay, well we're, 
you know, Washington, you know, they're not Texas. We're Texas. Like, who, you know, we're, we're going to go to the championship game. Like, it, just, it feels like they just don't have – they just don't have the heartbeat that, like, Washington does. And they don't really even have the players that Washington does, at least the players that are going to be playing the majority of the game. Like, maybe their overall talent is better – because of recruiting and stuff, but the actual players who are going to be on the field aren't going to be as experienced and aren't going to be as like driven as Washington, you know, plus, plus their coach doesn't know how to mo- I mean, he looked like he just about shit his pants when they announced that they were playing Washington on the, uh, on ESPN. I mean, I, I didn't know. see I just, that. But again, I don't want to be cocky, but on the boards, <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to be cocky, but everything sets up for Washington to just come down and handle them. Even fucking Josh Pate is like, yeah, this game is in Washington's wheelhouse. Like, Washington doesn't give a shit that they're going down to the Sugar Bowl. Like, they, they don't care you see like, that, that they're going to the – Yeah, that, that video of him holding, uh, holding his computer, and he's like, I've got the model right here. I've got the model. And every once in a while there's a – uh, what what do you say? There's a there's a crack in the lens of the model. Every year there's a crack yeah, in the I lens. Yeah, I saw it. And yeah, it's just like he's holding I, up that computer. He's like, I've got the model right here. It's, you don't got a fucking model. Shut up, dude. you you douchebag. <laughs> yeah, no model. I, I've said this on the boards, but my my one of my favorite parts of the season, probably my favorite part of the season, is just like how people, nobody gave Washington a chance to beat Oregon State in Corvallis, and it was pouring down rain, it was cold, it was shitty, and we won that game, and I'm walking across the street from the stadium, it's like right in front of their stupid apparel store, their Dutch bro thing, and I'm like walking to go find out where my car is in this godforsaken fucking town, and I go see he's got his little camera thing set up to do his little post-game thing because they flew him out there because they were just so sure that he was going to be doing a recap of, you know, undefeated Washington going down and what does that mean for the playoff, right? You know, and he, he's sitting there just miserable. Like, he just looks like he just doesn't want to be there, you know. And I I, I turned and I you said, 11-0. and 0. <laughs> 11 and 0. That's all I said to him was 11 and 0 and I just kept walking like whatever. I mean, he he, he you know, I, I give him credit. He's, you know, saying, "Hey, Washington fans are being mean to me and that's totally deserved whatever." Like give him credit for having some thick skin, but it's yeah. it's been it's been fun this year with all the doubters and just, you know, everything that's transpired. Okay, any final thoughts before we conclude? Did you do your shout-outs? Yes, I oh, – <laughs> thank you, Joey. Yeah, yeah, I did that right at, right coming out of the gate to make sure okay. I didn't forget. Thank you. Just want to make sure no one's complaining. <laughs> and nobody even complained before, but if I say, hey, you know what, if you donate – you're going to get a shout-out, and then I have the podcast, and then I don't do the shout-outs, and I feel kind of foolish. So I wanted to make sure I fulfilled that. So, all righty. Well, I guess we could conclude then. So, hey, thanks for joining us, and we'll have you back on sometime soon, and uh, uh, assuming that you want to be back on, but we enjoyed you today. So, Yep. Thank you very much.
So, and uh, all right, boys, we'll we'll reconvene uh, I guess real soon, and we'll be doing the uh, the annual awards coming up. So that'll be kind of a fun show too, I think. All right, you big dudes. Thirteen and zero. <laughs> Thirteen and zero. Thirteen and zero. Talk to you later. Bye bye. All right, thanks guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Hardcore Husky Podcast. This show is copyrighted material. In other words, stop plagiarizing our shit, fuckos. So please tell a friend and rate us five stars on iTunes, especially you cheap bastards who don't donate. It's the least you could do. Yeah, I'm looking at you, creepy coog. And come join our fun at over at hardcorehusky.com. We've got Husky Football, Yellow Snow's Record Shop, and our notorious Tug Tavern, which is, which is a shit show of politics and strange nudes. And if you enjoy yourself and are ready for the next level of cyber peyote, peyote come join Swain's Wigwarm. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this over. Swain's Wigwam, yeah. Swain's Wigwam at Navajo Nation's gift to college football. It's also the official private club of hardcore Huskies. We're talking boobs, guns, and inside information, all for the low, low fee of $129 a year. Come join the fun. <laughs> I'll have to redo that one, but...